This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Friends, welcome. You find me in my kitchen musing over one of life's fundamental dilemmas. Are you a Beatles or a Stones person? I think the world divides neatly into the two camps. Myself, you see, I like the raw sexiness of the Stones, but then it is the Beatles who seem to, they just reveal themselves more to me as I age, which is why I'm beside myself, because a member of the McCartney family is swinging away over to my place in a taxi right now. Mary McCartney will be here very shortly. Now, before she gets here, I am having the absolute top tier of sneaky snacks. What I'm having here is something I've been eating since the 70s. It's a Dairy Lee Triangle. What am I having it with, you're asking? Absolutely nothing. It's just primordial goo in my mouth. Now that, that is 1978. And my mother's shouting, you're not eating Derrily Triangles out of the fridge, are you? No, ma'am. The trick is to not let the silver paper touch your fillings. That's a working class joke because only working class people have got silver fillings. Doesn't work with Invisalign, hang on. Mm. Completely, it's all over my hands. Mary McCartney is a chef, she's a writer, she's a photographer to the stars, and an ambassador for meat-free Mondays that we definitely do round here in this house. She's also daughter of Paul McCartney. She's the McCartney that I want because she's the food obsessive with her cooking show, Mary McCartney, serves it up on Discovery and a clutch of cooking books to her name. What do you actually grow up eating though? If your mother is Linda McCartney and your dad is the father of rock and roll. Vegan tequila? I can't wait to find out what this chef and cookery writer is chewing on when nobody's looking. First of all, I need to get just the pointy bit out the end of this wrapper. It's disgusting, I know. Thank God we don't film this. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mary McCartney, welcome to Comfort Eating. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. It's so lovely to have you. I'm going to go deep really quickly. <laughs> your two great passions are photography and cooking. You have combined them into a successful career. Is that the secret to happiness? It definitely makes me happy and it connects me with people in the world. My photography, I'm always taking portraits of people or I like to be invited into somebody's personal space. So it feels like a mini adventure. And pleasing people through food is something that definitely brings me happiness. I love the fact you didn't shy away from the idea of happiness, though. You didn't kind of say, what is happiness? I know. I mean, sometimes I say yes to a situation and then I'm a bit like on the way. I'm like, why did I agree to this? Because it definitely takes me out of my comfort zone at times. But those are also the adventures I go on. When was the very last time that you seriously wished that they would cancel five minutes before you went to do it because you were scared? Uh, I don't do that so much for when I'm working, but more like for dinners when I'm just like, I'm one of those people that love to lie in front of the TV, eating crisps and dipped in hummus and watching Gogglebox or the Bake Off. Do you know what they call it? They call it high on cancelled plans. (laughs) And that's what I get whenever somebody says, oh, you know, and they begin by going, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. I can't. I'm just like childcare issues or somebody's got some kind of contagious thing. And you go, oh, I've got time to myself back. Yeah. yeah. You can almost just feel the bra, unhooking the bra. Literally quite. get the sweatshirt on, <laughs> get the, the elastic waistband, sweatpants on. <laughs> so my two big loves, 80s electronic music, and Elizabethan court life. So these are my two passions. Oh my and I'm goodness. wondering, do you think I can merge these into one career? I think definitely. That's like <laughs> a whole new genre waiting to happen. I'm sure you've already thought of it. Right, hang on. Let's get back on to doing a podcast because I'm having so yeah, much fun. should we actually um, eat? Each week, my guest shares with me their ultimate comfort snack. It is a ladle of love. When life has thrown you lemons, but you don't feel like making lemonade. Mary McCartney, what is underneath my slightly stained Fortnum and Mason's tea towel? Okay. Now. That was me trying to be posh, I think. I love it. It's a classic, the sandwich. It's a proper Um, honking sandwich. This is a honking sandwich. This is your one. This is my one. This one. This, there's two types here. This one first. My main motto is mm. don't be afraid of a condiment. Mm. So there's a lot going on in this. Right. <laughs> oh, so there's did, definitely, I, right, there's pickle. Yeah, but Branston pickle. Mm. I'm eating pickle off the mic stand. And it's the Branston pickle, like the little chopped version, so it's much more convenient to eat in a sandwich. That's the the chopped one is the one, I think. Yeah. I think that sometimes people feel like they're being disloyal to the past. Yeah. I'm going to dip uh, in here too. Mm. And then we've got like a selection. So what basically my fridge is a collection over the years. I collect condiments because yeah. they last forever. Mm-hmm. So like the middle shelf has probably like 20 
25 condiments in it or is they're like doubled up and layered and all the way to the back like jenga basically yeah. it's just you've got one of those fridges i go always with the mayo always i don't use butter i use mayo on both sides no dry bites no dry bites all the way up to the edge mm. quite liberal then i've gone branston chopped then i've done mustard today there's a lot of mustard in it i think i might have done too much for mm. you sorry it's okay i didn't need those taste buds it's fine <laughs> <laughs> usually a thinner layer mm. um and then I've got this great cheese, which is from Ahimsa Dairy, a crazy place in Rutland Farm where they it's leave really the calves good. and the cows. So it's like a happy cheese. And mm. and then crispy lettuce and a little drizzle of uh, balsamic on the lettuce. So yeah. But any day it could be different. I love that you called that happy cheese. <laughs> yeah. Happy cheese. Mm-hmm. Keeping the cows and the calves. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. I did spot oh. some crisps in your kitchen. I would love to shove some crisps in there. But it might be a bit loud for Those recording. crisps that you saw were actually pizza flavoured. Yeah. So that would have been a real problem. Oh, mm. and then I've brought you something from the new cookbook. This is like a chickpea tuna type of, it's not tuna, but it's ma- like mixed together like a tuna filling, which is another thing. So anything schmissed uh, in between two pieces of bread is my comfort food. I'm, I'm going instinctively in for the chickpea tuna. Mm. First chickpea tuna ever to be on competitor. Mm. I like a deep sandwich. I'm wearing my glasses and what I'm going to say is all I can, after eating one of your sandwiches, all I can see is two big smears of mayonnaise at the front. (laughs) Your parents, Paul and Linda McCartney, famously vegetarians long before it was popular long before it was a thing that yeah. people spoke about. Your mum, Linda, pioneered a vegetarian food range. Being veggie in the 70s before your mum founded that company, what do you remember of eating as a family? Mum and dad, when we became veggie, they said, look, we don't want to feel like we're missing out. Mm. So it was a lot of listen, remembering mum and dad talking about, like, what are we going to have for christmas dinner what are we going to have you know so it it really normalized it Mm. eating out was a different thing quite difficult go into a local restaurant what did they think when you all marched in it was more the food it was just like back then it was a lot of ratatouille and sort of nuked vegetables and stuffed red peppers and stuff ratatouille but yeah i mean watching the movie ratatouille really makes me want to eat ratatouille but (laughs) Because that's beautiful, but that's not what I grew up eating in the like 70s and 80s. At home, what were the staples around the table? Well, I mean, like I brought you sandwiches and also because my mum was American, big chef salad. We had a big wooden salad bowl and inside it, she'd put like the contents of the kitchen and, you know, chopped up. So it would be like lettuce and bits of avocado and bits of cheese. You didn't want to miss out. Did you feel like you missed out? I think eating out was more difficult, but at home it was fun. And I would, my mum would always make the kitchen the most fun part of the house. So we'd be there and I'd help her chop and cook and then... When we got older, she would request things. She'd be like, tonight, can you guys make fresh pesto or something? And birthdays, you could have anything you wanted, whoever's birthday it was. What did you ask for on your birthday? Well, I would often do, I loved uh, my mum's cream of tomato soup. Yeah. 
And then she made them really incredible quiche that you'd get it out of the oven and it, it would rise like a souffle. Yes. You were born in London and your dad, not to put a fine point in it, so he's, he's a big rock star. <laughs> <laughs> your parents tried to keep it as normal as possible for you and your siblings, for Heather, for Stella, James, Beatrice. But as you've grown up, are there memories that come back and you think, actually, that wasn't normal? <laughs> um, there are situations like growing up, we would go on tour with mum and dad. So those things are interesting memories. Um, and I think even though my mum was who she was, my dad is who he is, mm. they were quite approachable and relaxed. Mm. You know, we would sit having dinner on our laps watching the telly and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of normal snapshot of family life I know it doesn't feel normal but I mean things like we'd be as a kid I'd be watching EastEnders and dad would come in I'd be eating and he'd come in and he'd start playing guitar and then we'd be like can you like I'm trying to watch the TV but I was like dad just like another time (laughs) I I mean now I don't do that (laughs) I suppose your parents trying to do anything that's kind of meaningful and soulful is embarrassing when you're 12 or 13. Well, now I'm that embarrassing parent. When you were living with your whole family, was it uh, the kind of house where people came around or were you, some places are and some places aren't. Like my mum and dad did not like the pop in of people. It was quite a quiet house. What kind of house was yours? It was, it wasn't like a pop in. It was social, but it was more planned social. But I do have friends where it is just like open house. Yeah, you see, I can't can't cope with that. Well, I kind of want to be like that though, don't you? Absolutely. In my dreams, if I do home alteration I do it for the imaginary me yeah who wants people to come around 100% I do the same and also because I have that <laughs> Liverpool background so like for New Year's we'd always go to like family parties up in Liverpool and they were some of my best favorite memories ever yes so I, we've so we've both got uh when my dad's passed away now but scouse yeah. dad's um we like scouse dads scouse dads scouse dads and i'm always interested to see my my dad in the 70s when he ever did child care looking after his own child he only had two recipes up his sleeve and one was beans on fried bread yeah and the other by the way yum <laughs> delicious i would eat that now delicious and the other was beans Again, flung into his version of spag ball. Mm-hmm. So, um, all based around beans, then all based just a lot of beans. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering, did your dad have any recipes up his sleeve in the 70s? Yes, his recipe that I learned from him was his mashed potatoes Oof. because they're like proper, just really mashed. I think one of the secret things he does is uses a fork after at the end just to fluff it up. So, he uses a traditional masher and then at the end fluffs it to get any other little bits out. I love how men will just do that one thing really well. So therefore that becomes their thing. So the woman's running around with 11 pans on the go, but then they go, <laughs> just let dad do his mash. You know, yeah. it's that. And I, it was the same with my dad yeah. um, with his, with Brussels sprouts. If we were having like a massive meal, he would just do the sprouts very quietly. Yeah. But for about three and a half hours while how listening. Do you, how do you feel about Brussels sprouts? 
I love them, but I am wary of them. I think that's a that, good answer. I think if I'm not going to put too fine a point in it, I feel like we know each other now. I yeah. think that they create violent wind. Yeah, they can be smelly. They can even be smelly when they're cooking. They're smelly when they're cooking. And then what happens is they come out and you put a load of something oily on them and some salt. And then you eat them and you have another and you have one and you go, this is delicious. They're not as bad as they were in the 70s. And you eat another and another. And then you go into the lounge for the rest of the Christmas day in a very enclosed space. (laughs) Crack (laughs) open a window. And you're trying to watch Wallace and Gromit um, on the television. And you just think this is just this is ridiculous. Mm. My dad always like, oh, they're like a perfect little miniature cabbage, but and I love cabbage, but I love them sort of shredded, cut really thinly, yes. and then I make them into like a stir fry for Christmas. So you only cook them for a second so they don't get too overcooked. And See, then I love them. I'm going to say that al dente Brussels sprouts may be the most lethal wind-wise of all, though. <laughs> Nobody's I the way I do it. They're less. I don't remember getting wind from them. Though I'm gonna have to experiment. If I ate them, I would just immediately go upstairs oh my God. and then just okay. hide until maybe the day after Boxing Day. I'm never making you that. <laughs> Almost, I think the meals after Christmas are possibly more delicious. But do you know why you think? Because I agree. I agree. And why we think that is because we're antisocial and everyone's gone by that point, right? So we we love that in front of the TV. (laughs) So we love the idea of Christmas and being bountiful. Everybody come, but the most delicious part is the one that you eat directly from the fridge when you've literally just got two roast potatoes on a plate. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, Grace Dent here. One more thing. If you love comfort eating, then you'll love my new book. Comfort eating, what we eat when no one's looking. It's available order now. There's an ebook and an audiobook if you want me to read it to you. With chapter headings like Why Butter Makes Everything Better and Why Potatoes Are Proof of a Higher Power, How Can You Resist? Comfort eating is packed with funny, moving stories about my family and my childhood, as well as recipes and stories about recording the show. You spent a lot of your summers as a family up in Scotland on High Park Farm, a remote place surrounded by chickens and dogs and ponies. What do you remember from those summers? It was a tiny house. I shared the room with my siblings. It had two bedrooms, a teeny bathroom, 
and the kitchen living area. So it was very compact. The thing that came to mind is being outside and because it was a farm, you could go out all day exploring and building camps. But I mean, the main thing was we had horses and I just learned to ride by being on a horse riding out, Mm. the horse chucking me off me having to walk home and then learning to ride that way like oh next time like I'll hold on better and so it's just like this big adventure of trial and error and nature the pleasure of being in nature like riding through bracken and little rivers and I'd keep little bottles of apple juice in the river to keep it chilled and then go back and like do imaginary games one time it went fizzy probably because it had gone off a bit but then it felt like cider or something so yeah, that was like an adventure to me. Often that my would, sister Stella by my side. That would never happen now that people would say, just take the horse out. Yeah. And if it throws you off. I know. What effect did it have on the family dynamic when you all decamp into this wild space? I was relaxed, but also in a way... I'm going to use the B word. There were like really boring moments. Yes. There were no iPhones or iPads. or so It was actually really great. It was, mm. you, I would engage my imagination. Sometimes and now, I try to work out what we actually did. But I, I don't you have do? so many memories. Like when yeah. you say Scotland to me, I'm like, I can remember the blades of grass, the flowers, walking in a stream with my trousers rolled up, just daydreaming and not yeah. really doing much. As a child, when did you begin to create things in the kitchen? The first time was a bit of a disaster. It was in Scotland and I was so young, but I really remember it because I remember getting really excited Mm. and going around the kitchen and my mum and dad were having tea with somebody and I'm little because my viewpoint in my memory is looking up at the table and I just went around and they were having like milky coffee and some cookie or something and I mixed all of it together yes and then pretended I baked it and then gave it to them and that you know that thing where they lovingly like pretended but I knew it was absolutely disgusting but it was so much fun there's nothing like your parents humoring you when that arrives that's when you know you've got great parents that was my first cooking experience but it was inedible I know that A big influence on your cooking is America. And you spent so much time there as a kid. Your mum's family, they come from New York City and Long Island. I love the idea of London, Scotland, but then getting off the plane. Yeah, loved it. and loud. The yellow taxis, the buildings, and the delis. The delis, oh God, like, so that's where the sandwiches, that's where that's that's where it all comes from. It was like, we'd go all the time to visit my uncle, my grandfather, and my cousins. Mm. So my cousins um, were the same age as us, so they'd just take us out. The first thing we would do when we go to New York to visit my grandfather would be go to Mimi's Pizza and get a huge pizza. Yes. Um... So New York, so the huge, like, the huge pizza that comes in the big. They're huge. They're like eight slices. In New York, you buy a pizza by the slice, mm-hmm. and like one or two slices is a whole meal. We would go there, and it was just heaven, 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 heaven. If you walked into Mimi's right now and sat down, what pizza are we ordering? First of all, you wouldn't sit down because it's like counter service. It's like bustling New York. You go in, you kind of order it, you chat with them all. 
but I would just order with just a regular slice. What's on, the, um, what's on this slice? Like a really great tomato sauce and just cheese. I get anxiety sometimes when I first get to America. I get anxiety walking into these places because they have no patience with people. Oh, no, yeah. You need to know what you're going for. <laughs> I've never been Are you been dithering? <laughs> I've never been to Mimi's before. <laughs> I haven't done any research. I walk in and I go, hello. Mm-hmm. And then I, what do you want? You need to sort of know how to yeah. cut through New York people and give it as good as, as they give it to you. You see, then I suddenly just lose my Northern accent and then just kind of start speaking louder and like Liz Hurley. <laughs> and like, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, but uh, after a few sentences, I go back to being Carlisle. But they won't understand you anyway. Yeah. Ordering Elevated. water is yeah. difficult. Water, water. Water. Let's meet in New York and I'll take you around and I can be your can translator. You, can you go in first go in. to places? We'll go in together and we'll just have a bit of fun. You've said as a kid, your mum and dad touring around the world with wings. So do you tag along, hang out backstage? And I'm wondering, this is long before anybody put those headphones on people. Like, so first of Mm. all, I'm worried about your ears. My hearing, I know, it's amazing. I'm touch wood, have really good hearing. Wow. Yeah. You must have been left dancing by the bass bin a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. But you can hear. Yeah. But most of the people that I love the most are half deaf. So I don't know how I've got away with that. See, I've got like a rattly ear that I absolutely put down to raves I went to in 1992. You know, I've never been to a proper rave. I'm so gutted. I feel like I've missed out. We could do that after we have pizza. Can we do, you do, you handle the (laughs) rave. I'll handle the the New York food deal. The the New York rave scene are not ready (laughs) for two women probably in 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 heels and nice with nice handbags or are they or are they are they i think (laughs) they are so i'm I'm gonna do it now we're we're doing this (laughs) you've been a photographer for years and now Years you and have years, years and years, years. but now you, have, <laughs> now you have your own TV show. Mary McCartney serves it up. It is Emmy nominated, I might add. Do you, <laughs> did you find it hard moving from behind the camera to in front? Sorry. Yeah, it was really interesting and a huge learning curve because it's, you know, to do a recipe, to teach, show you a recipe my real self would be like, Grace, like, right, just chill. Let's get this. Let's Mm -hmm. cook it. It's going to be fun. It's going to let's prep ahead. Enjoy, enjoy. But when they're cooking, the director would be like, Mary, you need to perk up. Like, tell a story. Chop the onion. Tell a story. Do something. So it was sort of like chop and chat and look into the camera, which made me feel a bit silly. But then I really got into it and I loved it. It became sort of quite addictive in a way. And it taught me a lot about the recipes that I now write because I just simplified them, simplified them, simplified them. What people don't know about the chop and chat format on, yeah. on TV shows is that, so you are, you, you have to simplify it yeah. so much to get it done in time. 
So you're, so you're then kind of filling in the gaps in what you're saying. But then when you take it over to people to eat, it's often not the, the actual recipe that you would have made at home. Yeah, it's changed. But then I love those kind of challenges. So I've adapted it to being the same thing, but simplified, which actually has helped my style of writing. And my reason for doing this is simple, easy recipes and demystifying that kind of aspect of veggie yeah. cooking being more complicated. So it's I've, actually benefited me. I've eaten some pretty ropey things on <laughs> on TV. I love that. They, do you know? <laughs> I love watching, but that's, I love watching when the chef when goes, mm, here yeah. you go. And they put it down on some kind of live television show and you think, absolutely none of that spring onion is cooked and that is raw and but that and you have to I go can I tell mm-hmm. you all the stuff that I made is real and and we yeah. would do it and eat it but there's one thing that we didn't get on camera which really to this day is just like comes into my mind is the first episode I had Stanley Tucci came on as a guest and I made him this black bean burger and he's not veggie. So I was fully aware that I was giving Stanley Tucci a black bean burger, similar to the style of my sandwich I bought you today. It's like stacked with, you know, all the trimming yeah. and we weren't filming, but he took a bite and I saw that look come over his face and he looked at me and he said, this is one of my top five burgers I've ever eaten. And we didn't film it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I could see that it was a success. Does it matter though? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't because because I grown up as a photographer and you yes. miss those moments. And my mum would always say to me, if you miss something, she's like, it's a soul camera moment. So I have it etched in my mind as this thing. And I've just said it on your show. So now it's in the oh, world. God, it's in the world as something that happened. It's a soul camera moment. It's just yeah. made my face just yeah it's such a lovely and it makes everything better because you're like oh I can remember that I can feel it for your new cookbook which is absolutely remarkable I'm not just saying that oh I just read it agog you've cooked for everybody you've cooked for Liv Tyler Brian Adams Cameron Diaz the list goes on who's been the most awkward person to cook for oh well in a brilliant way I have to say Dame Judi Dench I'm sorry because I'm obsessed with her but what I love is there was a, a message with a list of the things that she didn't like to eat and an apology sort of saying, now that you've seen this list, you may have regret having ever asked me. So Can I guess that it? was brilliant. It were like... Is it chives? It was a lot of things like red peppers or chili and things. One thing she didn't like that I really is etched in my mind is carrots because I actually made her my shortcut apple tart, which has four ingredients, and I knew she'd like that. Mm. But I then decided, because I packed it up and took it to her home, I I made a last minute, I made like this big sort of minestrone soup. And I checked the list and I put carrots in because it wasn't on the list. But then she sort of looked and I was like, if I put something in? And she was like, well, carrots. But it was the cutest thing because she was like, my reason for not liking carrots is because when I was a kid, like you'd cut into them and they looked like twigs inside. So I just loved her even more.
I absolutely love the phrase soul camera that you mm. say that your mum talked about. So in 98, you lose your mum. We both lost our mums from mm. breast cancer. You were 29. It's rubbish, isn't it? Oh, God. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm. Um, I can tell you how we coped as a family. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we did. I don't know if we did. I mean, it's like... I don't know why I'm laughing because I feel like there's going to be something bizarre that I wouldn't have expected as your coping mechanism. Oh, God. Um, Work. Mm. Never stopped. Mm. As long as you just keep on working, then you don't actually have to... Well, my father was like that too. I think mine... mine, What time... My mum died in like mid-April. So one thing that helped was the time of year mm. I remember it being like the bluebells were out in the woods mm. and I remember looking up and there being like blue skies and nature and that yeah. kind of helped a bit yeah. because I was like oh well things you know it felt like a real sort of regenerative time of year and mm. flowers blossoming and you know the breeze in the trees so I yeah if I get sad I do a lot of I've become a tree hugger I search out trees and walks and nature because then you feel lost. bigger picture don't you yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am now. I have a vision in my head of you, just clutching an oak tree yeah. while your children go. Oh, for the love of God! Only because I, the first time I ever did it, there was a tree, and I swear his arms were stretched out at me, and I was walking my dog on my own. So I was like, "Fine." His arms are beckoning me in, so I actually did give it a cheeky little hug. But I was on my own, so were nobody you, else saw. Were you on acid? No, I wasn't. I was completely, I was on a coffee, I think. <laughs> I was on a double macchiato. I was on a coffee. <laughs> You've got four boys. I know. Two boys with your first husband, two boys with your second husband. They range from 12 up to 24. I can't yeah. even imagine a house with four boys and a husband. Mm. I'm thinking, yeah, a lot of... And a dog. Yeah, it's. I mean, I thrive on chaos, and it's busy and noisy, and we talk over each other. And do do any of them replace the toilet roll by themselves? They, I would like to say they do. And one thing I learnt was that they pick up their own towels off the bathroom floor, which that. I'm I'm very proud of myself. I think that's one of my best parenting moments. They hang up their own towels. I couldn't imagine them going like when they're older, going to people's houses and just leaving everything on the floor. So, yeah, that's Mary's parenting technique. For sure. Feed them and get them to hang up their towels. There you go. Tell me one thing that is a tradition that you emulate from your family life when you were a kid and one new tradition from now. Well, talking about our mums, what I try and always do with them is celebrate her birthday. So I'll be like, look, where do you want to go? We can go anywhere you want to eat or I'll make anything you want. Or I'll get like a birthday cake and balloons and try and make things nice. So that's a new tradition. And then older tradition, I mean, it all goes back to sandwiches and bagels. And then traditionally it would be that moment that I touched on earlier is on our birthdays you get to just have exactly what you want and my mum taught me this thing which I make a lot with for 
the birthday occasions, which is like an ice cream cake. Mm. But it's so genius because it's a, more of an assembly job. Yes. So go on. That's go on. This, so you I get need to have this tin, at my sleeve. Go on. You get like a cake tin and mm-hmm. you line it with parchment mm-hmm. and then you buy a, any loaf cake that you like, like a Madeira cake, anyone you want. Mm. And you just slice it into like one centimeter, half inch pieces and you overlap it like shingle like a tile because you don't want gaps and you just smush it down on the bottom and then around the sides so it's like a pie crust it covers all of the cake tin and then you get like three tubs of your favorite ice cream so like chocolate strawberry mint choc chip and let it soften enough that it spoons out easily put it all into the middle and then put it into the freezer so and push it all down so you've got the loaf cake crust the ice cream all filling all of the middle and then put it back into the freezer and freeze it solid and then make like just a normal icing just a normal kind of just like some butter or that I love that flora plant plant butter that with icing sugar and a little bit of vanilla extract and beaten so it's nice and fluffy and Mm. then you take out the frozen cake and you turn it upside down peel off the parchment and then just ice it and then put it back in the freezer and decorate it with loads of sprinkles. And it looks as if... So it looks like a normal cake. And it looks like you have just sweated over this cake It's literally for... fun to make. So when you slice into it, you just get it out when you're ready to eat and you just slice in and it's sort of icing loaf ice cream. Joy. People... I should have brought you that, shouldn't I? <laughs> This interview must come to a close. We're coming to the end. I really want to know, has being part of a very famous family, has it been the biggest privilege of your life or is it sometimes the bane of your life or is it both? I think if I had to choose, I would say it's a privilege because I'm very proud. And now, asking me now, I would say it's a privilege. I mean, growing up, I may have said both. But, um, you know, I'm super proud of my family and I'm really inspired by my family. And they've kind of made me the person I am. So um, I'm going to go with privileged and happy. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to hear this. So what are you going to say? I know exactly. I'm in case dad hears. <laughs> Do you think I'm stupid? Really, literally. <laughs> Why would I say anything else? <laughs> Mary McCartney, thank you so much for your sandwich. Should we go to New York now? Yeah, let's go. Let's go get a slice. <laughs> this episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Ruth Abrahams. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Cacoutier. Mixing and sound design was by Solomon King. If you love comfort eating, then please go and leave us a review and a rating. It is so helpful to us. And you can follow or subscribe so you never miss a single episode. See you next week. This is The Guardian. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. 
it'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.